0: Look for more episodes on Amazon Music.
1: Carolyn Mace is a medical intuitive, which means that she can diagnose an illness sometimes, even before it starts, by using intuition, which is really the greatest sense, I think. Mm. And by reading your energy, she can also tell you why you're sick, why you're sick. Carolyn believes it's a skill that she was born with. And her incredible ability has won over a lot of skeptics and doctors alike. Take a look at this.
2: Everybody is intrigued with empowered people when they see them. And you're intrigued with yourself when you feel that way. She says things on her tapes and in her books that are like bolts of light. She's an amazing teacher. I was driving along listening to one of her tapes one day and was so profoundly moved that I had to pull over to
0: the side of the road. Thank you, Carolyn, for my life. You are an inspiration.
1: Carolyn Mace was born with an incredible gift. She can sense a medical problem before it shows up on any test. And today, she has become a passionate teacher and lecturer, holding audiences spellbound in sold-out auditoriums all over this world. She has been featured in dozens of magazines and newspaper articles, and her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, spent several months on the New York Times bestseller list. Her book, Why People Don't Heal and How They Can, is also a bestseller.
2: I realized That we're scared to death of healing. It's about as frightening as forgiveness, if not the same.
1: Millions have heard her audio tapes, and everywhere she goes, she transforms people's lives.
3: You say to me, I experience a vibrant energy in your midriff.
1: Philippa Kortzi met Carolyn in South Africa. She says what Carolyn told her during that reading and what she learned afterwards changed her life forever.
3: She created an awareness inside myself of how things were and how things can be. She did that for me. You know, she just woke me up. Some doctors
1: actually turn to Carolyn to help diagnose patients that they have trouble understanding.
0: I have probably consulted with Carolyn 500 times over the last 14 years.
1: Carolyn says her readings work best when she doesn't know or see the patient. All she needs is a name and age, and she says she can pinpoint the problem.
2: As I look at her energy in this part of the
1: body, it. Uh... First of all, it's registering as trauma. Dr. Sheely kept track of Carolyn's diagnosis over the years and found her more than 93% accurate. Not bad, since the average doctor before follow-up testing is usually about 80% accurate.
0: Some people are geniuses at music, like Mozart. Some are geniuses at painting, like Rubens. And some are geniuses at medical intuition, like Carolyn.
1: Lots of people say she's a phenomenon. Carolyn says that if there is just one message that we all can get today, it's that we all have to learn to listen to the power of our spirit. Yes. Listening to the power of our spirit, what does that mean? I, you know, you could call it intuition, call it that inner self.
2: It means listening to that part of you that comes before your intellect kicks in. Intuition is that energy field in us that says make a change and change is the most terrifying thing in the world to people. Why so? Because change is random experience. It's random. You don't know what's going to happen next. You have no control over it, mm-hmm. and giving up control is again the second most terrifying thing in the world to people. Agreed? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Control terrifies <laughs> the loss of it completely. And the what I realized is that what people think is intuition and what I know to be and what they think are two different things. What people want is the capacity to see the future so that they can outrun fate, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and that guarantees this, no loss of money and romance at the end of the road, <laughs> all right? And that's what they wanted me to teach. And I said, well, if I could, I'd take the class. You know, I mean, it's that. But in fact, it's that capacity to sense something's wrong something's wrong here and i've got to make a change or right. this is right mm-hmm. and i can i can sh- pursue this and it takes a lot of courage to make those changes
1: because you really it represents so much you were saying to me before we started the show that people are terrified of being conscious that's right totally and what do you mean because everybody thinks we're all conscious so no people are very terrified what i've noticed is
2: that talking about becoming conscious is exceedingly attractive. You love to do it in a bookstore, and then there's coffee. But when you come home, the reality is the choices that come toward make becoming conscious are a whole other thing. Do you all
1: know what we're talking about, about being conscious? You don't? No, I didn't think you did. I could feel that you didn't. (laughs) We're talking about living with a level of an awareness in your life that you know, that there is more than the physical experience and physical activity. Mm-hmm. Understanding that you are not defined by the way the world necessarily defines you, or even by your own personal definition of yourself. You're not defined by the square footage of your house. You're not defined by the car that you drive. You're not defined by all those things. An awareness of living consciously in the world, understanding that everything that you, that comes into your life is something that you attracted.
2: Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever asked the question, I wonder for what reason I was born? I wonder what I'm doing here. How many of you have asked that? And you've pursued within yourself, there's got to be something Who's never asked
1: it is what I like to know. (laughs)
2: Who's okay. never asked it? Who's that? never asked it?
1: they're not going to ha- okay. raise their hand
2: now. <laughs> and there's but. two things I'm going to comment about, by the way, when you ask, The first thing is, when you ask that question, it's because you have a sense of thinking, there's got to be more than my job, because that's not going to do it, right? There's got to be more than a mortgage, right? The end of the mortgage. But in addition to that, there's just got to be more to life than this. The second thing that you need to know is, as soon as you ask the question, you're terrified of the answer. And this is when there's a kind of a conflict coming in, because what you've invited in is a, is a thought that can change your life, and you know that. In my workshops, when I'll ask people a question and I'll say, um, what's the part of your life that is giving you the most stress, 90% of them will say, uh, I don't know. One, because they want me to tell them, but two is because The reality is if you start answering those questions yourself, you know your life is going to change. You were born knowing that the more questions you ask and the deeper kind of knowledge you can put in, the faster your life is going to change. And change is what terrifies us. This is what Oprah's talking about and what I talk about when we talk, when we speak about what it means to become conscious, to become more aware of why we say what we do, why we think what we think, And it's a very challenging part of our lives. Mm -hmm.
1: Here is an example of a reading that she did a few years back. Again, she doesn't like to see the person. She just needs their name and their age. Here we go.
0: I have um, a young lady in my office I'd like to get your opinion about. Her name is Karen Looning. She's 31 years old. Okay, just give me a moment
2: here. I'm going to start from uh, the top of the head and work my way down. Good, OK. okay. Let's just do that, OK. OK. And as I look at her energy in this part of the body, it uh, first of all, it's registering as trauma, okay. as some kind of traumatic incident here. And you know, her entire cerebral area feels like it is the seat of a great deal of pain. As I get into the neck norm, I feel like, um, uh, th- it, there's a crookedness. I feel like she needs
3: chiropractic treatment here. There just seems to be a strain as
2: it works its way into the shoulders.
3: Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm really impressed. Um, she was right on the nose with a lot of it. Um, and it's put to rest some questions I had, even.
1: I know you hate the word psychic. Oh, boy. Don't like the word psychic. So this no. isn't psychic no, energy. No, not at all. What is this?
2: It, you know what it is? It's, it's um, the language of energy. It's reading vibrational levels. That's the best way I could say it. But here again, that's a word that might be very confusing to most people. But let's put it in this sense: it's reading that that uh, it's reading a sense. Now everybody has that skill. Everybody, we're born with it. I mean, there's nothing you can do to stop or start that gut sense in people. Everybody has that uh, ability to do that to sense when something's wrong with someone. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody walks in the room, you can feel if there's, their mood has changed towards you, can't you? You're doing a reading. That's not complex to understand. And if someone said, well, how'd you do that? You just did it, because it's a natural part of the human design. And what I do is a little more refined, and that's all there is to it. I don't need to be next to you. I have a longer antenna. Think of it that way and that I don't need to be next to the person. And better than I, more than that, I don't need to know you, and that's very important because I get a very clear impression. And that's important. The moment, yeah.
1: So when you're sitting in a room with all these vibrations, because mm-hmm. everybody's putting out, I love yeah. the, I, the, I love the term yeah. vibration, because yeah. I think everything is about that's vibration right. levels, sure. and your energy levels, different mind and so forth. Yeah. Do you feel everybody's energy? No. Or is, this, is it selective energy? No, not at not all.
2: At all. Not at all. I, you know, if I were to look at some of you or focus, or if you were to ask me questions and I were to kind of focus on your energy, sure, it would be a much more refined connection. But I never walk into a room and scan the audience. I'm not an energetic foyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. But you know, in focusing in or to help somebody, that's a different issue entirely. Totally, a, a different focus.
1: And you've known this since you were a little girl, correct? Yeah. You, yeah. know, you I used was, to get hits when you were a little girl. I
2: did, yeah. I was sort of an intuitive loose cannon on deck, though, because, you know, you don't know what you're reading. You don't know what you're doing. All you know is you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about the time you read that lady's palm. <laughs> I,
1: I was... About 14 or 15.
2: I was 15 years old, and I had uh, just purchased this book on palmistry. I knew nothing about palmistry. I, w- I don't even know if I was interested in it, if I needed to buy a book. So I turned it over. And I'm reading the lines on the back cover. And in the meantime, this girl runs home and tells her, her friend that she just met a girl who could read poems. She comes back and she says, come on, my mother wants to meet you. So I, I'm thinking to myself, this is probably not wise. But I followed her in. And here her mother's sitting on this chair. And next to her mother is a friend. And she sticks her hand in my face. She says, here, kid, read this. And I thought, all right, and I'm looking. And I don't even know what I'm looking at. And I said, well, you have a heart line and you have a mental line. I'm thinking, what is this? So then I flip it over. And I had read that these were marriage lines. And I said, you've had two marriages. And her neighbor says, you're you're wrong, kid. I've had three. And out of my mouth comes, yes, but the second one was never consummated. Now, you have to understand. Wait a minute, I didn't know what that word meant, right? I didn't. And the other, the other woman says, God, kids, you're good. And I, and I sat there, and she then lifted me up by the shoulders, and she exited me to the door, and she said, get, get out of here. And, I, you know, and she thought that I was appalled by the manner in which she handled me, but it was that word. What is that word? So when I came home, I asked my mother, what does that word mean? And she said, you said that? And she couldn't stop laughing, and I, I you know, uh, that was really Did you always first... know?
1: Did you always know? I always knew that she had a gift. And you know. did you call it a gift then? Or did you say, what are you doing, child?
2: No, no I never asked her that. I just listened to her mm-hmm. when I was there. Then when she got a little older, she wanted to know what was wrong with her. She says, why am I so different than my friends? And I said, well, Carol, I said, I know you have a gift. I said, all I can tell you is don't play games with it. I said, and ask for guidance. I said, someday that door will be open to you.
1: Amazing. Okay, Carolyn's going to do some readings. Amy's only 23, but you feel 80?
3: Yes, I do. I
2: think your childhood wasn't um, long enough, in other words, you grew up too fast by demand and by the stress in the household. What I see in your your energetic pattern is that you had to be the mother to your mother. Is that true? Very true. Very true. You see, and your mother didn't have what it took t- to be a mother to you. And so there was a lot of abandonment and a lot of you having to take care of yourself and a lot of explanation. and of why she couldn't be there for you and a lot of making you feel guilty when you reached out for needs. And so by the time you got to 23, you're exhausted. And yeah, two kids later. Mm-hmm. No, it's it just,
1: I don't know. Yeah.
2: You haven't, you see, honey, if somebody doesn't give you the kind of energy you need growing up as a child, when you have children, your circuits get crossed because the pace at which you should have been nurtured and maturing has been absolutely short-circuited. So essentially you go from being 8, which is when your trauma life began,
4: Mm -hmm.
2: traumatic life began at age 8, most strongly, to where you are now, there's an absence of continuity. You know, so there's a feeling like, wait, I didn't get this, how can I give it? If I didn't get it, how can I give it? Is that true? Very true.
3: Although I feel like with my two boys, I overcompensate with them mm-hmm. because I don't want them to feel that way that I mm-hmm.
4: did. hmm Yeah. And, uh, but I just, I'm serious. I just, I just feel like I'm falling apart. I mean, literally falling apart.
2: Okay. Well, you look at it this way. When you do the, op- uh, the overcompensation, it's actually the reverse of the same thing which is, if I, if I didn't have it, I can't give it. But if I didn't have it, now I'll give everything.
1: Yeah. A lot of parents are that yes. way. A lot of mm-hmm. you. you yeah. see yourselves.
2: Okay. I'll give it all be, because... I want to make
1: sure my kids have what I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And if you're motivated by the need to show your parents, I'll show you how it should have been done. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what's motivating you, darling. It's that cross-circuit again. Well, there's a lot of love for your children, and that is certainly true. The genuine motivation, the genuine, Mm -hmm. underneath the private agenda is, and I'll show you how it should have been done with me. And that's where the weight is coming in. I thought I had forgiven my mother for, and, and my father, for that matter, for what had happened. And now I just, I mean, it just blew my mind. And I just was speechless. I was just, I want to thank you, because now I know why. And I can work on getting better. Thank you.
4: At the age of 23, I started to have a whole lot of pain in, in the upper back parts of my legs that then would travel down to my feet. I would be in tears.
1: Ellen went from doctor to doctor searching for answers. Finally, unable to work full time, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, a disorder of her joints and muscle tissue.
4: I started seriously looking at why am I here? What can I do here on this earth? And how can I really make the best of it? So I went to a seminar that Carolyn Mace was leading and she spent over 45 minutes with me one-on-one doing a medical intuitive reading of my body. The only thing that that I told Carolyn was that I had not been feeling well for a long time and then she looked at me and, and said your disease started when you were five. What happened when you were five? And I looked at her in utter disbelief and I said that's the year my brother got sick very suddenly. Carolyn says that year changed Ellen's entire being. Joey was nine months old, and I was five. He wasn't feeling well one night, and so my mom gave him some baby aspirin. And the next morning, Joey would not wake up. He was in what the doctors called a vegetable state. He died uh, three days before my eighth birthday. I made an internal pact with my brother. I told him that for the rest of my life I would be sad.
1: And from that day on, Ellen says, she lived in fear.
4: I believe that for me my fibromyalgia syndrome was simply frozen fear and Carolyn has helped me to see that as a young kid that the belief patterns that I had became trapped in the cells of my body. And she also said, your disease started in your legs. And I looked at her and said, absolutely. What I have now is a sense of freedom that I am really not ultimately in control of my cure. I am in control of whether I heal my spirit. And when I heal my spirit, my body will get better.
1: Gonna do some readings. Where's Stephanie? Stephanie has lupus, and uh, it always flares up when she is angry at her husband. What did you want from Carolyn? Uh, may I first
2: ask your name? I mean, excuse me, your age. Thirty-two. Okay. I yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't. I'd prefer just to take off rather than a question. Right? Okay. Uh uh-huh. You know what's surfacing in you? First of all, is we're gonna go back a few years. And that's that somewhere, I'd say around 28, what began to emerge in you was a desire to do, to express yourself differently in a different form in your life, okay? That had to break off independently and to begin to think more for yourself. I don't think this was the way you were when you were younger. In fact, I'd probably say it wasn't. And there's a, you have a whole pattern in you, which is to please the family rather than to please yourself. And that's the strongest pattern in your psyche. psyche. And that's to please others. And what emerged in you around age 28 is that you were suffocating, is that this cannot continue. And it became a very haunting pattern. And when you finally expressed it to your husband, the response was that there's something wrong with you. And so you are now in this dilemma of how will I possibly live in this situation that is, first of all, emotionally not the most satisfying, and yet you're terrified to leave, because you would l- let down a whole network of, of people who are counting on you living a certain kind of life.
3: Yeah. So uh, is what
1: the, you just said to you true? That, that's what the yeah meant? It, it Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. that you said is very mm-hmm. true. hmm Yes. What did you want to say? I'd be
2: very uh, happy. Louise, what's your uh, age? I'm 36. Louise, the information that I am getting about, my impression that I'm getting about you is a little bit more physical. It's a bit more chemical. It has a lot more to do with changes that are going on in your body. Okay? Uh, I, I feel that it might not be wise for you to have um, a mammogram mm-hmm. to check out the cell tissue in the female structure of your body, okay? might not? Yeah, it's wise for her to do oh, that. okay. She needs to check out the female tissue and the female circuits. You have an imbalance in that area, and it's definitely hormonal. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you need to take a real good look at it. Your circulation is not very, very good at all. I feel like cold feet, cold hands, imbalance. I can't get any sense of balance in your body at all. Mm -hmm. Why are you shaking your head? She's
3: so right. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know her? I've just been listening to them in the back room, and, I mean, the last two uh, readings you did, I mean, right on.
1: And you're Brad? Yeah. Brad has had severe migraines since he was 12.
3: Oh, you can go to her first. No.
1: No. Okay. (laughs) And doctors
3: don't know why. Why? Yeah, I have no idea. I've been having them, uh, and sometimes they're so debilitating that I'm I don't want con- any
2: more information, if you okay. don't mind. I don't mean to be rude, but Sorry. the more information... Well, enough of that.
3: Your age? Uh, 38. 38. You're sure? I'm going to be 39. That's
2: fine. <laughs> your migraines begin in your liver. Can you imagine someone saying that to you? But it's the, it's a fact, energetically speaking. Your migraines are oriented in your liver. It's the first thing you need to know. Second thing you need to know is it has a great deal to do with blood and your response to what I would call your tribal heritage. Tribe meaning your family, familial memories, familial energy, okay? The third thing you need to recognize is what's being filtered through your liver is a lot of anger and disappointment about the manner in which your life has been moving along and disappointments in your life. You are not getting out of life. This is your fundamental question, like a mantra. Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why isn't that working? How come this didn't work? I put on all my... You actually represent one of the most painful experiences a human being can get him or herself into, which is the, the center of paradox. Paradox is the most painful place to reside because it's living in that sense that says, I did everything, but why didn't this happen? I gave this person the best years of my life. How could this happen? And that's where I say uh, people will live in this dynamic of, until I know why this happened as as it did, I'm not going to move on with my life. Life owes me an explanation. That thought is in your liver, and so it's burning. And, there, and, and what happens from the liver is there's an energetic circuit, like we spoke of earlier, and it goes right up to the brain channel, and that starts the fire neurologically, and that's why you have your
1: migraines.
3: Hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. A lot of sense.
1: Uh, let's talk about the five myths about healing. Mm-hmm. First myth is my life is defined by my wound, which is we're talking about. Absolutely,
2: liver. yeah. Part of what interferes with our healing is the need to, is that we've gotten in touch with a new language of intimacy in our culture that I call woundology. Right. And that it's, it's become a tremendous way to bond with people. Yeah,
1: That's all the survivors of alcoholism, survivors of incest, survivors of physical abuse, survivors of, instead of people who... Instead of people who
2: move on and say, I'll use a support group as a boat to get across the river, but most people, I mean many people, turn it into a houseboat, you know, and they live there. And what, you know, and, and what happens is you find so much support in this group that,
1: you, that the idea of, right. be- of healing becomes yeah. very threatening. That is so true, especially mm-hmm. over the years we've seen that on this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think talk shows have served a great purpose in bringing dysfunction out of the closet. That's right. But so many people brought it out of the closet and now have moved it in, yeah. into their living room and just kind of live in that place of dis- dysfunction, victimization, Absolutely. still holding on to what their mother mm-hmm. didn't do and what happened to them when they were 14. Well, there's a lot of mileage out of it, let's face it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people get my...
2: Not only I can't tell you how many times I've met people who introduce me to someone and they'll say, this is my soul mate. They met at a workshop for healing. And in fact, what it is is their wound mate. Because they, they meet because of the bonding process. What happens is, you know, normally when uh, people get together. What used to bond us were uh, what neighborhood did you live in or what religion you So are, are you in? saying that those support no. groups are not effective? Not at all. Not, well, no, 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 so. no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying support groups are extre- extremely ex- uh, successful and very effective. But there comes a time when we have to say, how long do we really need to heal this? I mean, if I were to create a healing situation like a a holistic healing center, I would actually do a chart on how long an illness takes to heal. I'd say, you had a divorce, how long were you married? Five years? Five years? You get three months of therapy and that's it. Mm-hmm. I would actually do it this way. And then I, if someone said, well, I, I had this kind of incident when I was a child, I said, oh, yeah, let me look up here. Uh, Eighteen months, that's it. Because at some point, helping you stay in that wound, you are absolutely traumatizing your future. And what good does it say? That's good. Stay in your history. Absolutely. And blame everything you are today on your past.
1: Where does that help you? Is that why people don't heal? That's one of the reasons why people don't heal. Absolutely. Second myth, being healthy means being alone. Absolutely. We have
2: a paradigm that says once we're emotionally healthy and psychologically healthy and physically healthy, who, what will we need? Who will need us? It's, you form a whole sense of strength that says, I don't need anybody and, it becomes a matter of embarrassment to suddenly ask for some kind of company or some kind of support. I remember how many people would say to me, you, you need something, something's wrong with you. There becomes this, you know, this image of incredible uh, strength that is absolutely fraudulent. Our paradigm of what it means to be healthy has to include what it means to be weak and to grow and vulnerable. That feeling pain means being destroyed by pain. Abso- yes. In our culture, Our whole use of pain and our own uh, response to pain is to medicate it, to repress it. We have no paradigm in our minds that say, no, 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 no. The use of pain is that it's a voice in ourself. It's a guide. It says if, if your body responds in pain, you need to follow that through. You don't repress it. It's telling you something's wrong here. The worst thing you can do is to drug it and say, well, that's it, it's healed.
1: All illness is the result of negativity and we are damaged at our core.
2: Illness is sometimes the answer to a prayer. And that's a bold statement. But the reality is many people's lives have been changed by becoming ill and getting in touch with themselves and finding out that they're a totally different person than they thought they were. True change is impossible. To change. And see, that true change is impossible.
1: That's another myth.
2: That's Absolutely that's a myth, because change is such an overwhelming dynamic. If I said to you, you know, what's wrong, what's causing your shoes to be too small, is that you are essentially miserable in this situation. And if you, you need to do something about it. And if you have that idea that says, no, 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 that's just too big a, that's just too
1: much for me. No. I would say, that's too many shoes to get rid of. (laughs) <laughs> I got all those shoes up there size 10. What right. am I going to do? Absolutely. But yeah. you see, but most
2: people, yeah, many that's many what people, people do. would say on. you're asking me to do too much. I had an incident with this young man who had a very serious, he had a terminal illness. And uh I did a reading on him. And I gave him a list of what I thought he should do that would help him out very much. And in that particular instance, my colleague Norm Shealy was with me. So we both put together a list and As he read this list, which included phenomenal changes in his life, he said, he looked at it and he said, Is this all I have to do? This is it? But what I've noticed is the majority of people will take the list and they'll go down it and say, All of this? I have to do all of this? Well, uh, well, I'll think about it. This person says, Is this all there is? Now that attitude, when I witnessed that, I thought, Now that's power. And And that included, One of the biggest handicaps to healing, which is when you can't forgive. Forgiveness is the way to freedom.
1: Let's talk about forgiveness for a minute, because we've been hearing a lot about it in Mm -hmm. our country these days. I say forgiveness means... uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Who are you talking about? Forgiveness... No, sorry. (laughs) Forgiveness does not mean, though, that you want to continue to tolerate the same behavior. No. Forgiveness is something you do for yourself so that you, you can move on. Is actually, it, isn't that true? absolutely. Forgiveness is, is
2: actually should be thought of as the most selfish act you could do for yourself and self-indulgent because it's, it will heal you faster. You're not forgiving for that person. And you're actually not saying, and this is where the confusion comes in with it, you're actually not saying, you know what you did is okay. You're not saying that. And that's where the ego gets a little crossfire here. You're not saying that. What you're really saying is, um, I'm no longer going to trust the fact that life should be logical and orderly. I'm not going to trust it, because you know what? It doesn't work that way. And I'm no longer going to count on ordinary justice to work the way I would like it to work, because you know what? You'll always be disappointed. The way one of the codes you need for healing is this. Make no judgments, have no expectations, and give up the need to know why things happen as they do.
1: Diana says that her cancer survival story is truly a miracle, and she says that Carolyn is partly responsible for that.
3: My wonderful sister Rosemary died of breast cancer 17 years ago, leaving me to care for her three children. When I was diagnosed with the same disease three years ago, I knew I had to do something differently to survive. I owed it to my sister. I had the lump removed, but I decided against conventional treatments. Along with a high-nutrient diet and with the help of great teachers, one being Carolyn Mace, I learned how to heal myself. I started forgiving, going back all the way to second grade, forgiving everyone and everything that had a negative hold on my life. And I began learning to love myself for the first time.
1: And so you healed yourself that way?
3: I believe I have, yes. Mm -hmm. I believe forgiveness is essential to remove the past in order to move forward. Forward. And what I have learned through all my experience in healing was that every thought, every attitude, every emotion is power. Yep, And that I will honor these powers to the best of my ability by living the quality of life in my parenting, in my marriage, In my relationships and in my business. Now that is just powerful what you just said. That is
1: so profound that every thought and every emotion Mm -hmm. is power and you can use it for you or against you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope a lot of y'all, everybody got that. Didn't your little hairs raise on your head when you heard that? (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. And that's really what you're talking about in how you heal yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Carolyn Mace. You are as interesting as everybody said you would be.
0: I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations,
1: the podcast.
0: You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.